Hello and welcome to the From My Perspective podcast. I'm your host, Marcus. And we've got a lot to cover today. There's a lot that happened in basketball. There's some NFL news. March Madness, Final Four, Rock Shop Jayhawk. We're in it. We beat Duke. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how excited I am. But let's start with this. The first segment I named Point Proven because I think my point has already been proven. This summer, I was told about how great the Western Conference is and how embarrassingly inferior the East is and how, oh, you're just a Celtics fan. You're trying to make your route seem harder than what it really is. Oh, you just like LeBron because I think LeBron's the best player ever. So they think, oh, you're just a LeBron fanboy. So you think the East is just so... No, I'm not doing that to boost his legacy. I'm saying it because it's true. This whole summer, I said the Western Conference has two contenders, nothing more. My definition of a contender is someone that can A, win a championship, or B, win their conference. Oklahoma City's not a contender. The two contenders I said were the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Oklahoma City is not one of them. They're 18 and 19 on the road. They can't win a road game. They're five and 10 against their own division. Not the West, their own division, five and 10. They can't shoot. They're 25th in the league at three point percentage at 35%. And the best player, Russell Westbrook, as great as he is, still can't shoot. Oh, and don't let me forget about how great the, excuse me, the recreated Chicago Bulls are, the Minnesota Timberwolves, where the old D. Rose, Andrew Wiggins, who plays minimal defense, still can't shoot, and yet he's unhappy about being a third option when he's pretty decisively the third best player on the team, and it's not even close. Minnesota's not a contender. Maybe three years from now, maybe four. Not today. Portland Trailblazers. I, I love Portland's roster. I, I really like Damian Lillard. But they'd be eradicated by the Rockets or Warriors in a seven-game series. It only lasts four games. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be competitive. Who else do we have? The Pelicans? Lowell. They're not doing anything. I'll cut the Spurs some slack here because if Kawhi was playing, they would be serious contenders. But we're not talking about that right now. But you mean to tell me the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Trailblazers, and the Pelicans are contenders in the West? Give me a break. Those are not contenders in any conference. And now let's look at the East. I, I compared the West and the East. At January, the East versus West record was not that far apart. The East, they have three legit contenders in terms of who can win the conference. And see if the West had the Spurs, each team, each conference would have three, meaning the conferences are pretty balanced. The, they have the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron, if he's on the roster, you're an automatic contender. He does have Kevin Love back. The roster isn't that great, but they're a contender. The Raptors, if they don't choke, this, I'm not memeing this. I'm not trying to be a Raptors hater or, or telling jokes. The Raptors choking is a serious thing. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. This is, the, the Raptors choking is kind of expected at this point. So if they don't choke, which is a huge if, they're a legit team. And then we have the Boston Celtics who are banged up, down Kyrie Irving, Daniel Thies, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, who are still 50-23. and 23. They're extremely well coached. Give Brad Stevens the coach of the year right now. Forget all the formalities. And against Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Golden State, Portland, they're 4-0 at home. And they swept Oklahoma City. Uh, I don't know. This Boston team's pretty banged up, yet they're handling these contenders in the West. And here's a fun fact. The Western Conference houses two of the worst teams in all the NBA. The Memphis Grizzlies were beat by 61 points versus the Charlotte Hornets. 61 versus the Hornets. We're not saying they got manhandled by Cleveland. They didn't get manhandled by a healthy Celtics, Toronto. We're talking about Charlotte. 
Charlotte. And they house the Phoenix Suns, who have just been the laughing stock of the league. They're pretty much a lot worse version of the tanking Sixers. So stop telling me how great the bunch of names at the Western Conference is. is. They're nothing more than a bunch of names in Houston and Golden State. You recognize the names in the Western Conference. That's why you like them so much. And let's go over to the NFL. We, we, we're going to come back to basketball. The NFL offseason has just begun. There's been a lot of moves, so it seems like we're deep into it. We haven't even got to the draft yet, people. And the Giants, they're about to make a huge mistake by not drafting Josh Rosen, quarterback out of UCLA. The Giants just traded Jason Pierre-Paul and their fourth rounders to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in exchange for the Buccaneers' third and fourth rounder. Essentially telling us they're about to trade out of the number two pick because they lost a, a ton of production in this trade and they're likely going to target Bradley Chubb. At, they're, likely going to, they're not going to draft Bradley Chubb at number two. They could trade back and get so much more and still get the guy they want. The Bills, Cardinals, and Broncos would gladly trade up to number two and take Josh Rosen. I mean, without a doubt. They, I'm 100% I'm sure the Bills have called. I, I think the Cardinals have called. And I'm sure John Elway is headed towards, hey, you know, theoretically what would be the price of that number two pick for us to move from five to two. I'm sure all of those teams have at least come in contact with the Giants. But it's, it's simple here. The Giants, take Josh Rosen. Stop. Take Josh Rosen. The Giants are about to rebuild around a 37-year-old Eli Manning who you benched. You benched him for Geno Smith last year. Josh Rosen being the successor to Eli is the perfect scenario. Rosen isn't the most mobile guy. We all know Eli isn't. So what better tutor than Eli to Josh Rosen? You don't, you're not necessarily the most agile guy. Here are the things that I've learned to win two Super Bowls. Here's some things I've learned to become one of few people to throw 40,000 passing yards. There, it, it's, I'm not going to say a carbon copy because I think Josh Rosen is a, a lot more accurate. Well, he's going to be a lot more accurate than Eli is over the course of his career. But this is a match made in heaven. If the Giants blow this, they don't deserve anything. And they won't be back in this position because what are the odds your entire receiving core gets hurt? You get no production from your running backs, and your O-line is that suspect. It's not going to happen. They've already beefed up their O-line by getting Nate Solder, signing him from the Patriots. Don't mess this up, New York. Get your quarterback of the future. Eli has two seasons left max, so why are you building around him? Build around Josh. Josh, sit on the bench for two years or a year. Learn behind Eli. This is, this is the guy that is your successor. Whether you like it or not, that's what it is. You're 37. Deal with it. Don't blow this. With that being said, that inspired me to do a top 10 mock draft because I'm not going to do all 32. We'd be here all day. I have done a 32-team mock draft on my YouTube channel, Perspective Sports. You can check that out. This is just a little bit more updated because, obviously, I've done it later. Number one, the Cleveland Browns select Sam Darnold, quarterback, excuse me, USC. Yes, they just acquired Tyrod Taylor, but let's be real. Sam Darnold is the guy of the future. Tyrod Taylor, whether he likes it or not, he said he didn't want to be. He wanted to be a bridge quarterback to the Super Bowl, but he's a bridge quarterback until Sam Darnold is ready to play. The Browns are going to plug Ty, Tyrod Taylor in. He's going to give them a solid production. But in a year or two, after they build a solid team, they're going to give the keys to Sam Darnold and let Tyrod Taylor walk. And number two, we have the Giants. Josh Rosen, we just talked about this. Don't mess this up. The Jets, who traded up with the Colts, they're going to take quarterback Josh Allen out of Wyoming. Josh Allen has the highest ceiling out of all these guys quarterback-wise, and I really think he's going to be the best player, best quarterback out of this draft. If you think the Jets are taking Saquon Barkley, Please reanalyze the situation. You don't give up a first-rounder and three second-rounders to move up three spots to take a running back. That doesn't make any logical sense, and if the GM does that, he should probably be fired. 
And number four, we have the Cleveland Browns taking running back Saquon Barkley out of Penn State. The Browns can do this. They now have their quarterback of the future, which they took with number one. Now they get their future star running back, Saquon Barkley, who can create a very dangerous balance between Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley, that pass-run game. That's going to be really really dangerous and hard to stop for teams to come in the future. Number five, we have the Denver Broncos taking Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama. This guy, he can ball. He, the Broncos in this series, uh, this you know mock draft, they miss out on the top three quarterbacks worth a top five pick, and they will likely trade back into the first round in order to get that extra year that are attached to first round picks for their quarterback. Let's say Mason Rudolph is available. Somehow Lamar Jackson falls that far. I really don't think Lamar Jackson should fall that far, but if they do, they can get him. That'd be a steal for me. And they also need a guy to replace a keep to leave. And Minka Fitzpatrick can do it all. At number six, we have the Colts via the Jets. Remember, they traded back three spots and got all that stuff. They're not taking a running back. The Jets are not taking a running back. The Colts get Bradley Chubb. The Colts have their quarterback of the future, which enabled them to make that trade with the Jets. And now they're acquiring a ton of picks to build a team around Andrew Luck. And what other way to start than with a pass rusher to get to the other team's quarterback and start building a defense for him? He's proven that when he's healthy, they're 11-5, 11-5, 11-5. He's carried that roster to 11-5, 11-5, 11-5. He has the offense. Go get him a defense. Excuse me. Number seven, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking safety. Well, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking safety. Derwin James out of Florida State. The Buccaneers just got Jason Pierre-Paul. The Buccaneers now need to focus on the defensive secondary that ranked dead last in opponent uh, passing yards per game with giving up 260 per game. That's a problem. And Derwin James is an a impact player who I think can make a difference in year one. Number eight, we have the Chicago Bears taking guard Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame. The Bears have done an excellent job rebuilding. And as a Packers fan, it's pretty cool to see. Well, not cool to see because I don't, you know. But as an analyst, it's pretty cool to see. The Bears, they have something there. And what other way to build for Mr. Trubisky to protect him? And you have Howard. You have an offense. Get him a line. Quentin Nelson will be that rock for them. And number nine, we have the San Francisco 49ers taking Tremaine Edmonds out of Virginia Tech. I know first, uh, well, not first, I didn't see him play, but I know people that go to Virginia Tech. This guy can ball. His numbers show it. He will be an excellent pick for the 49ers and one of their, their solid core players for years to come. And he's jumped up to number one on my board at linebacker over number 10, Roquan Smith, who's going to the Oakland Raiders at number 10. He's out of Georgia. I had him as my best linebacker, but he's still excellent. He's still an excellent prospect. He's just not as good as Edmonds to me. So there's my top ten. Uh, I, that's what I think should happen and how each team should go about this. And let's stay in the NFC. Let's just go all the way out west to Los Angeles. I have more Giants news later. I promise I'm not going to miss the big story. Stay, stay tuned for the big story. The Rams are considered frontrunners to land Adamican Sue, who was released by the Dolphins earlier this offseason. And the Rams have done an excellent job, and every GM and aspiring GM should take notes. Take notes. The Rams' core players are on rookie deals. Let's just start with the offense. Jared Goff, quarterback of the future, is making just $2.9 million. That's nothing compared to what Aaron Rodgers is going to make, nothing compared to what Kirk Cousins is making, nothing compared to what Tom Brady is making. He's going to make big money when this contract is up. Todd Gurley, arguably the best running back in the league, is making $2.3 million. So what do the Rams do? They capitalize on it. Let's go get a keep to leap whose contract is $11 million this season. Double Todd Gurley and Jared's contract combined. Let's tag LaMarcus Joyner to $11 million. Let's go get Marcus Peters who's going to want to pay their next season. Well, after his rookie deal is up 
because we have our core set. It's cheap. Let's surround them with veteran guys who are on contracts that we don't particularly like, but they extend our window at a championship. The Packers and Patriots weren't going to trade for Keep the Lead because they couldn't afford it. The impact players cost too much. Aaron Rodgers cost too much. Tom Brady cost too much. Gronk. These guys cost money. And they didn't have the cap space to absorb a Keep to Lead while still building in other areas. They were hoping for a buyout so they can get them for cheap. The Rams could afford it, so they went and did it. Sue would be foolish not to sign with the Rams. Now, with that being said, the Rams have done an excellent job. My only concern is the personalities you're acquiring. The Chiefs traded Marcus Peters not because he's not good. The guy can ball. He's a top five corner in all of football, but he's described as a locker room cancer. Proven by a report that the Chiefs called every team in the league about Marcus Peters. 28 of the 31 teams either said no thank you or offered dirt because they were afraid he'd hurt team morale and overall be a cancer in the locker room. He's a top five cornerback in all of football, and 28 teams said no thank you. But the Rams are one of the teams that will tolerate him. Most teams are not going to tolerate players throwing flags and footballs in the crowd because you're having a bad day. Most teams aren't going to tolerate you attacking Derek Carr. And having a guy from the other team, Marshawn Lynch, come restrain you. Teams aren't going to tolerate that, but the Rams are taking the chance. Aqib Tlaib, he's also another headache, but he's also a top seven cornerback in football. They have two top ten guys now. He's been trying to snatch guys' chains, poking players in the eyes. He can be a really dangerous guy in the locker room, too. And adding to Dominican Sue, who has a whole track record of his own, an extensive history of dirty plays, stomping on Aaron Rodgers' leg, blatantly late hits on Jay Cutler and then other quarterbacks. He has quite the history himself. This could be a great thing for the Rams or go really bad, really fast for this young team. And that's enough football for right now. Let's talk about the final four, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. And it's set. We have the Cinderella, excuse me, Cinderella team, number 11, Loyola Chicago, facing number three, Michigan. And on the other side, we have number one, Villanova, facing number one, Kansas. That's the matchup that's going to win the game. I mean, excuse me, win the championship. The winner of Villanova, Kansas, will be your national champion. Loyola has had a great run. But when you look at the, who they beat, Kansas State, Nevada, Tennessee, and Miami, no real flagship W. They caught a break not having to play Kentucky. But playing Michigan, I think, will be a real test for them. But playing Villanova or Kansas will be a whole different animal. With that being said, I would like to see them get to the championship because Michigan is very beatable. Loyola Chicago is playing excellent basketball, and they continue to play that versus Michigan. They have the potential to get to the national championship game. I just don't think they can beat Villanova or Kansas in the national championship. And let's go back to the NBA. We were talking about the Warriors and Houston being contenders. But are the Warriors in trouble? I say no until they play Houston. Houston will have home court advantage against a banged-up Warriors team. Now, looking at the West, Golden State will likely play Minnesota in the first round. Steve Kerr has ruled out Steph Curry for that. They'll still win that game. They'll still win that series in five games max. After that, they'll play Portland. Another five-game series. Let's be real. I love Damian Lillard. But going against KD, Draymond, Clay, that Warriors bench, by himself, CJ becomes good, not great. He'll be essentially by himself. The Portland Trailblazers aren't necessarily the best rebounding team, not necessarily the best defensive team. There's no chance they beat Golden State. And yes, the Warriors probably won't have Steph Curry, the, the, the third best player on the planet, but they still have the second best player on the planet in Kevin Durant. 
And if Curry comes back, he won't be in rhythm. And that's my problem against them in Houston. He has to regain it. He has to regain his, his his feel for the game. They have to add him back into the flow and in the, in the system. And that's going to be a problem against this Houston team. That number one is is built in your image to beat you. They have better bigs. They're a better rebounding team. And right now they're surging. They're a well-oiled machine. Golden State ranks 21st in rebounds per game. Beating Houston is going to be a nightmare, and I think Houston wins that series in six games. I thought it was going to go seven, but if Golden State's banged up, Klay Thompson isn't hitting his shots because of his thumb, Steph Curry isn't back in rhythm, that spells big trouble in the Western Conference Finals for Golden State. And as I promised you, the Giants were back on the Giants, the Giants story. Odo Beckham is reportedly, excuse me, Odo Beckham will reportedly not set foot on the field unless he gets an extension from the Giants. And word came out from the Giants organization when they asked about potentially trading him. They said nobody is untouchable. And this has fans in an uproar. Calm down. What are they supposed to say? The Giants are a brand. They're not one of these pushover organizations. They are a brand. They're not going to let a player control the narrative or force them into anything. But they're also not going to trade him. What do they get out of it? A draft pick? They're not going to trade Odell Beckham for a draft pick. The Giants and Odell Beckham will agree to a four-year deal, about $70 million, mostly or fully guaranteed, making him the highest-paid wide receiver in the league with an average salary of $17.5 million a year. Simple. It's, it's, it's not a hard thing. The Giants are playing hardball. Odell Beckham's playing hardball. But eventually, they're going to sit down in a room and hammer this kind of deal out. And Odell Beckham's close friend Jarvis Landry says the Browns should go get him. And Browns fans, you shouldn't even want that. You're going to commit a huge part of your cap to wide receivers. That looks pretty on paper. I mean, that on paper, Josh Gordon, Flash Gordon, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham, woo, watch out, league. Green Bay had three top 15 paid receivers and cut Jordy Nelson because of it. John Dorsey's smarter than that. He's not going to give up almost all of his cap for wide receivers. But the broad picture here is to calm down. Odell will be a New York Giant for a long time. Now for rapid news. Broncos GM John Elway is uncertain about running back C.J. Anderson's future with the team. Anderson had a good season, rushing over 1,000 yards on 245 carries, 4.1 yards per carry, tied for 21st best in the league. I think they'll get it. I think he'll be back, and he'll. I'm not quite sure what's happening there, but I think they'll work it out. Redskins' statement on Sua Cravens is very similar to the Giants, almost as if it's almost as if it's said all the time. They were asked about him, about potentially trading him. They said everyone is tradable. Again, back to Odell. Calm down. Every team says this. Former coach running back Frank Gore agrees to a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. What an excellent way to end off a Hall of Fame career as he went to Miami, Florida for college. IMG Academy guard Anthony Simmons will skip college to go pro. He can do that because of the program he was in at IMG Academy. Same thing Jonathan Isaac could have done, but he decided to go to Florida State for a year. And in sad news, and this is, this is horrible, uh, G League player Zeke Upshaw has passed away after collapsing on the court during a game. May God rest his soul. This is this is this is absolutely terrible news. I remember when I first got the alert about that. I was hoping then and praying he'd be okay, but unfortunately, his family released a statement that he passed away at eleven sixteen a.m. and that is that is horrible news. And the final story is the Philadelphia 76ers have clinched a playoff spot. Hashtag trust the process. It is almost complete. This has been the From My Perspective podcast. I hope you enjoyed.